Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, coming to you live from the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. At the bottom of the hour, Brent Gunning, co-host of Leafs Nation, pre- and post-game over on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. He's also host of the golf show, and we'll talk about his, uh, we'll get his take on the Masters' decision to allow live players into the tournament come April, and we'll tell you about a super fan who didn't make it to his team's game. We'll do that too. But right now, uh, Sportsnet NHL analyst Mike Fuda on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Mike, good morning. How are you? I'm doing quite fine, thank you. How are you doing? We're great. Thanks for jumping on. Flames with a 7-3 win last night in San Jose at the back end of a back-to-back at the Shark Tank. Do you like this little quirk in the NHL schedule that they're doing this season? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. But, uh, I mean, whatever. Saves a little bit of money and uh, whatever. It's it's a try. I, I guess from a travel standpoint, it's fine. I just... I'm not, it's just not a big fan of it. Not a big, big fan of it. But good on Calgary. I mean, they've been looking to find a consistent stretch, and they found a way to pull one out of the hat last night. Um, Mike, just just real quick on the travel. Um, we know that maybe back in the day when uh, a lot of uh, teams flew commercial, it was a lot more difficult to get to city and the city. But a lot of these teams, well, they all pretty much fly charter. How difficult is it to travel in the NHL? It's not like they're getting herded in like cattle like we are in economy. Well, at least I am, Mike, because I work in radio and I'm broke. But how how is the travel at the NHL level? Do we make too much about it, or maybe it is really still a thing? Uh, it's the Never Hungry League. It's uh, I've never seen so much food. And <laughs> no, you know what? I mean, bottom line, it's tough on their bodies uh, at any level. Because of the bad, especially the physical nature of hockey. But I mean, as far as the comfort level, it's off the charts. I mean, I mean, I mean, the only team that I've been a part of where I was on the charters constantly was with the Kings. And I mean, you're everybody's got a business class seat. I mean, there's every kind of type of food possible. There's great sleeping environments as far as. It's pretty. It's pretty comfortable. The bottom line is, though, you do you do get into. You have to be into your your opponent's city the night before, as per NHL regulations. So there are some nights that you get in late, and that's where it's really important from a playing standpoint and a coaching standpoint to be able to manage your sleep to make sure that whether the next morning whether there's really that's why I think some some teams have really kind of opted out on the the morning skate being more important to get more rest and more sleep. But um, it's it's conducive to what you do get in a playoff series. But I mean, as far as the travel itself, um, now I don't know. Based on uh, the last couple of years with COVID, as far as restrictions at the border and stuff like that, but it's pretty was pretty fluent and off the charts comfort when I was, uh, which, which wasn't too long ago. So I can't imagine changing that much other than if there's been some COVID restrictions put on with regards to crossing the border. Mike, uh, you're talking about all of these kind of challenges or, or things that a player would have to go through over the course of um, just a regular season. And if you're Jonathan Huberto, you've also had to completely uproot your life. We've seen him have four assists over the last two games. Looks like he might be trending in the right direction. What have you seen from Huberto maybe in the last week or, or two or 
or month that have shown you that he's starting to settle into Calgary? It's, it's a real challenge. And I mean, especially uh, these guys, I mean, I know it's a sport and I mean, the guy's making a ton of money, but obviously he was very comfortable with his lifestyle in Florida. Um, in fairness, there's over the, up until the last couple of years, there haven't been a lot of expectations on that team from a win-loss perspective. Um, you get thrust into a, and, and, and I mean, as, as good as they were last year and as good as he was, it's a different environment in Florida from a fan base. It's, uh, it's a lot of uh, Canadian people, I mean, going down there, whether it's, I mean, they were starting to get a lot better crowds and stuff like that. Then you get thrust into a Canadian market, uh, not only that's thriving, uh, for victory, they've lost two of their top, you know, franchise players, and you've got Daryl Sutter as your coach, uh, which is a huge factor in the whole thing. And uh, and I think that can be a shock and a slap in the face for anybody. There's no doubt the guy hasn't lost his game. He didn't forget how to play the game. He was a legitimate hundred point guy last year uh, across the board. He's one player I don't know personally, but everybody that I've spoken to speaks about him as one of the classiest gentlemen and great teammates in the game uh so it, it's it's a it's and all of a sudden <laughs> you go from uh, you go from andrew burnett who's about as gentle friendly competitive coach as possible to to daryl and that's like doing a hundred yard dash in a 90 yard gym <laughs> to be perfectly honest <laughs> It's uh, and it's it's a wake up call, and uh, I think it's uh, he's it's an adjustment for all the new guys. I think each personality is different. I mean, Naz is kind of just one of those guys that just has rolled with things his entire life with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. So that would be something he'd be able to deal with a lot easier. And I think that uh, I think that Weger and uh, and Huberdeau are, are are in for a new dance, and it's going to take them time. But that doesn't mean they're not great players. They're not great teammates, and you're starting to see them round their games out but uh you know you, you hope daryl adjusts a little bit with them as well so when when we're looking at a player moving locations like this and when we're talking about so many things that can be different like the climate from florida to calgary obviously as we enjoy a minus 35 day here a few days <laughs> before christmas uh your line mates obviously probably one that is a little bit of a bigger factor than climate but Above all else would be the, the change from the head coach and how you handle that transition. Might that be the most important part of moving from one team to another? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I mean, in fairness, I mean, Daryl, preseason, they talked about him being possibly the best pass in the history of the franchise. And then a few weeks later, he you know couldn't find a line for him. Uh, and it, it's an adjustment to the... Daryl is all about winning and I know from our experience of winning two cups with him as our guy and as our leader and at times our captain in Los Angeles that uh, the attention to detail and his expectations are off the charts and it's incredible um, the man that shows up he's a wonderful guy a uh, great family man you guys see with son Chris and uh, you know and then when he gets to the rank he's in a different character it's all business, um, and at times it can wear on you. Uh, but he has his attention to detail of what this is what it takes to win, and he's he's won. Uh, that being said, at times it can wear on players. You see it. Uh, you can see it with what's gone on lately with Florian Lucic, who 
when Milan was in Los Angeles playing, you know, playing a bunch of minutes, everything was great. And I think a guy like Milan and Tyler Toffoli and Trevor Lewis can be in that dressing room and the new guys, they can relate to them and kind of give them an idea of what to expect with Daryl. But uh, until you've experienced it yourself, uh, it's a different, it's a different, different mental warfare. But his whole, but his whole point is to get you ready for the grind of what it takes to be a champion and, and it's just, it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment, and some people are mentally tough enough to get through it, and some people struggle with it. But um, it's it's he's had success with it. Uh, the guy's he's a brilliant hockey man. Uh, but as I said, at times at times it can wear on you. Um, with regards, even last night. I mean, I his obviously his press conferences for me have always been must see TV. But. Uh, <laughs> You kind of never, you never know what he kind of can. He controls. You, you can ask any question you want. He's going to control the narrative of a press conference. And if and so, you wish if you're going to ask a press con, a, a question, you're either going to he's going to make you feel like, yeah, why did I ever ask that question? Or uh, he's going to dictate what he wants. He he wants out there, and he, he the bottom line, all he wants to do is win. He cares dearly about as much as he. It was a leader in Los Angeles for us. There's no place more he'd rather win a Stanley Cup than in Calgary. That's his, that's his team. That's his lifeline. And uh, at times, I feel the guy I feel bad for is, is Brad Trelloing, <laughs> because having been in that position before, I don't think there's been a general manager over the last two years that's done more to address his team's needs. Um, is particularly last year was they needed goaltending, so he goes out and gets the best guy that's available in Markstrom, you know, and then he gets Kanev, and then you know to have the turnover, the losing uh, of losing the two big boys this year, and then within a week you've got Huberdo, Uyghur, and you add Nazem Kadri to your mix, like because from a coaching standpoint, I mean, you, you got to feel really good when you've got a general manager that's going out and addressing these things, and Brad never takes this. I win the, you know, whatever I won the summer thing. He's all about winning the winter. But uh, sometimes when you give a coach a present under, that he wants under, and one thing opens the present under the tree, <laughs> it doesn't look as good as he, or is it as fun as he wanted it to be when he looked at it on tape? And it's adjustment for everybody. So uh, I, I love this team. I still, uh, I think they're going to be there when the dust settles. I'd be very if I were the LA Kings and the Seattle Kraken, I'd be looking over my shoulder big time for them. And uh, once they find their consistency and their and their uh, their ability to kind of create a little bit more offense, uh, I, I don't think they're as non-skilled as it's portrayed at times that they just can't score. Uh, I think a little bit snake bitten, and uh, I think they're going to be fine. They're going to be just fine. Mike Fuda, Sportsnet NHL analyst, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Um, Mike, we know how a lot of teams are so tied up against the cap. As a guy who's worked in NHL front offices, how frustrating is that for general managers and guys like you who worked right beside the general manager when you know your team has a glaring need but it's so frustrating to match salaries and figure out how you can sneak these guys under the cap when you're just ultimately trying to win hockey games, but your hands are just tied with the amount of money you're paying your players. 
Well, until you can convince certain star players that taking a little less gives them a chance to, you know, ultimately win, uh, it's really difficult. And I mean, and the players, they, you know, they've earned that money. I mean, we were fortunate in in Los Angeles that, you know, we didn't have, we didn't pay Kopitar and and Drew Doughty. They didn't get their massive deals until they had already become champions, right? Uh, which is something you just you you got to pay them for the job they did. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some of these teams now you've got to pay the guys before they've really accomplished anything other than great individual success, and that ties you up and it makes it really difficult to add pieces. And then you look at the the success that Colorado had when your stars are on pretty decent contracts like when you look at you know at the time like what McKinnon was making and, and Landis Cog was making it's, it's not incredibly out of whack I mean it's like they're great contracts and then you like everybody's talking about the Boston Bruins this year and how incredible it is but when you look at the fact that when you can get a Bergeron and like when you look at Marshawn's contract these guys are all world elite players making not not like not over $10 million. And that allows you to be more creative of what you add when you need to add something down the stretch. And I mean, it's a damn shame that you have to lose a really good player to injury and have him on LTIR. So you can use that money to add a piece to make you better in the playoffs because you have no cap space. So it's a, it's, 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 it's a tough one to vent on. I mean, it must, I mean, I know Jeff Solomon was like, one of our most valuable people in, in Los Angeles because as a hockey guy, it's not, I mean, it's not a, like an accountant. <laughs> it's a daily headache trying to figure out what you're going to add or what you can do. You can even have somebody, you know, I'm going to bring this guy up. Even when you're trying to sign a young player and you say he wants all these bonuses and you say, well, that's fine. We'll give you all your eight bonuses, but we might not be able to call you up because we can't fit you into the salary cap situation. Even if you're, playing well in the American Hockey League. So there's so many factors that go into it. Uh, it does make it a, a job that's a lot. I mean, I mean, fans used to love and sit, and I was the same thing growing up, that you sit there and make all these great trades in your head that by the water cooler at work, that we're going to have this guy, we're going to have this guy. Well, with a salary cap, <laughs> those are what they are. They're just fun conversations for fans because it's so hard to, you might find the best trade in your mind ever, but you've got to make all the dollars and dollar signs add up. And that's why... You never, ever in a management meeting in the National Hockey League sit there and say, uh, okay, we're doing this like looking uh, an hour out or the same day. You've usually got a five-year plan in front of you uh, that you're looking at when you give out a salary because you know whatever, maybe player X or you've got that young player. Like So whatever you do now, you also know that you've got Lindholm's coming up right here. So you've got to look at, having money to sign players down for the future. So it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a moving piece all the time, but I mean, obviously Calgary's always found a way to add something at the deadline. Um, And there's, but the problem is right now there's everybody in the league with the parodies looking to add something as well. So there's only so many pieces available to add. Mike, I'm curious as to how you might have evaluated goaltenders in an offseason and projected the year they were going to have. Not necessarily the the rest of their career, but just the next season. Because you look at a guy like 
Connor Hellebuck, who this year, Vesna Caliber, last year, not so much. Linus Allmark, a guy who couldn't stay in Buffalo, goes to Boston, and now he's a Vesna Caliber goaltender. Now, I know Jonathan Quick in L.A. would have alleviated a lot of the issues uh, in your time there. But I was it, just going <laughs> to say. This... I was just going to say your own question. <laughs> yeah. You, put your blind, you put your blindfold on and push number 32 on the ice. <laughs> yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was easy in L.A., but is, is, it, I'm just so baffled by the voodoo that is projecting what a goaltender is going to be like in a season. Was there a way that you kind of got a feeling on what a, type of year a goalie was going to have if it wasn't Jonathan Quick? It's it's such a difficult Especially, I mean, you look at now. I mean, you look at now when they're trying to figure out who's going to be the Canadian starter for the Olympics. Yeah, uh, it's like uh, it's a really it's a great question, but it's not one that I could sit here and. Uh, it's never been a level of expertise for me, even from growing up with watching TV with my dad as he swore at the Leafs on television. Uh, it's it's not the ones that you uh, it's. It's stop the ones that don't make the great save. Just stop the ones and let the soft one in. And it's a real infantile process of looking at it, but it all comes down to consistency. Like these guys now, there's so many different levels of coaching and the athleticism that goes into a goaltender. For me, I think it's, it's for one thing, the way the guys shoot the puck now is off the charts. Uh, how, you know, how good the shooters are, but it's, it's between the ears. It's really between years, and and I think that is something uh, because I even look at Jacob Markstrom. Like, I mean, like, is there a goalie right now other than Vasilevsky that you put in the net and you pretty much are shocked? Like, the biggest thing for me with Jonathan Quick is we were shocked when a goal, like when a bad goal went in, uh, not not to lose, but we were just absolutely shocked when he let in a soft one, and. Other than Vasilevsky, uh, who's consistently done it right now, and it, it's like you're you're shocked when he lets in a bad one. Now, it takes a lot for a goaltender to get that confidence. And I mean, obviously, right now there's so much talk about Shesterkin and 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 uh, and the Islander goaltender. Uh, off the top of my head, it's not another Russian goaltender, but yeah. stroking him. Like these guys. They're showing it in the regular season. I mean, like, look at, like, Markstrom, I thought, was so unbelievable in Vancouver. And, you know, he's looked leaky between the ears for me uh, in Calgary. Like, the, the mental side of it, it's like, uh, when he's on, like, there was a game in Montreal a couple of weeks ago that I was like, that's Markstrom. That's the Markstrom. Yeah. I know it's Montreal, but he just looked like you're not going to get a pee past him. And then Suzuki throws that little blooper over him in the... I, uh, goalie, I thought he was going to helicopter him with a stick after all the great saves he made, and then Suzuki comes in and does that little flick move over his glove. He wanted to just crack a stick right over his head, but I mean, it's hard <laughs> in it's hard in junior hockey. I, I mean, even you see these guys, the consistency level. Like I can't t- like Jordan Bennington was like a a part of a three three goalie rotation in Owen Sound. Like it wasn't like there was a goaltender that just took it and ran. Like you're seeing Spencer Martin, who was a good goaltender, but not a great goaltender. I mean, right now, before his injury, Thatcher Demko was looking for his gig. He's the guy that I kind of thought was, was, you know, starting to step up into that, into that Vasilevsky mode. But 
I'm not dancing around your question, guys. I can't figure it out. I think it's I think it's between the ears at that position because they're all mm. they all have like Matt Murray who looks like looks like friggin' Gilligan off the ice and he looks like the friggin' Michelin man in the net with all the equipment he's got on. He's now found his he's now looks like like oh my god, if you're if you're telling me who has to start tomorrow for Team Canada based on who's mentally into it and playing well I'd have to say Matt Murray would get some votes, and I would never have ever said that based on it. So I think a lot has to do with the system you play within. The one thing I felt we did really well, and it was underrated, was we had an incredible defense core in Los Angeles, and we played a tight defensive. So it allowed Jonathan Quick to to be Jonathan Quick. I think the guy you threw out was the best thing. I mean, no offense to the Buffalo Sabres for the past three years, but it was like playing for the Washington Generals on defense. So all of a sudden Linus Allmark goes to Boston where they play a much more structured system and it allows him to, for all his natural tools to come out. So it's, I think it a lot has to do with your defense core and your ability to be mentally tough and get yourself through it. But Justin Williams always told me there's certain goalies when teams are in the, in like. They can get in your kitchen. Uh, like he'd sit there. He knew that when we were playing and we were winning our games, and he said, "Quick, we could get in team's head." Uh, Vasilevsky can get in team's head, and I think that's where goaltenders have to figure out a way to get in the other, stay out of their own heads, and get in the other team's head. Mike Fuda, Sportsnet NHL analyst. Mike, terrific stuff. Let's do it again soon. All the best during the holidays. Hey, guys, enjoy your minus 35 weather. And, uh, I'm sure you wish you were on the road with the team in Los Angeles on the beach. All right, Mike. I don't, uh, thanks. Yeah, yeah we'll uh, yeah, um, enjoy that minus. Well, it's, it's 40 with the wind chill. It's so uh, cold. Thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah, it's, it's bitterly. Stay it's warm the out there, Calgary. It's I'm, freezing in the, I'm freezing in Toronto, so don't worry. I'm not on a beach. Ah, all Have right. a great day, guys. It's only 40 degrees warmer, though, in Toronto right now. But that's okay. Um, Yeah, rub it in. Great, 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 great. All right, Mike, thanks for this. Thanks, Mike. Boom. All right. Uh, There's one thing I love in radio. Awkward goodbyes? Love it. So good. I love everything awkward. Uh, Even in life in general, I love awkward. When you're all taking turns to speak but you can't see each other's faces so you don't know when it's your turn and then you just talk over each other and no one knows what everyone's saying and then you just hang up uh mike fuda uh joined us on the atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline uh maddie brought to you by atlas pizza and sports bar dine and pick up uh-huh. or have your game day special mm-hmm. delivered find out why atlas pizza is a not 12 not huh? 13. What? 14 time Consumer Choice Award winner. 6060 Memorial Drive Northeaster. Call 403-248-3344. Um, we got lots to get to. Uh, the Masters announced yesterday that live golf guys will be able to play in the tournament come April. We'll talk to Brent Gunning, who hosts the golf show at our friends at Sportsnet 590 The Fan. He also does Leafs Nation pre and post game. Um, we're also still taking your text messages. Five nine uh, sixty nine sixty nine sixty nine sixty name and location on the text line. Calgary's first two goals last night was faster than blank. Calgary's first two goals last night was faster than blank. And Maddie, I'll tell you about a super fan who missed his <gasps> game because he had to attend to business. Really? Okay. 
Yeah. Just a, a nice blue-collar worker? Uh, sort of. Uh, we'll tell you about that. It's the oh. big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet okay. 960, the fan. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey Basin Systems downtown studio. Flames the big 7-3 win over the Sharks last night. Scoring a franchise record two goals in 30 seconds to kick off the game. Fifth fastest in NHL history. We're taking your text messages at 960-960. Calgary's first two goals last night was faster than blank. We'll get to that at the top of the hour. And, uh, Maddie, I think we'll get to yeah. what the Flames potentially could have received in a Matthew Kachuk deal if they didn't make the trade with the Panthers. Yes, we will. We'll dip a toe. We're gonna we're gonna play some audio about that. What do you think? I love it. Absolutely love uh, it. We'll do that in the eight o'clock hour. We'll also talk to Alex Faust, LA Kings play by play voice for Bally Sports West and the NHL on TNT. But right now, uh, he is the co-host of Leafs Nation pre and post game and the host of the golf show at our friends at Sportsnet five ninety the fan in Toronto. We say good morning to Brent Gunning. Gunner, how are you, pal? Oh, doing well. Good to hear your voice, Georgie. Uh, good to hear your voice too, pal. Uh, I'm also going to do a tease later on this hour, Guns, about a super fan who didn't end up making it to his game because he had to attend to some business first. <laughs> I I I'm excited already. You this do you want to you want to stick around for that? Of course, of course. Okay, uh, we'll do that later on. Um, you do a great job of uh, hosting the golf show on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and this was a story that. I believe you and I talked about on the air, too, that what's going to happen when the Masters ultimately sends out their invitations. This is kind of kind of be the tipping point for the major golf season in 2023. Will the live golfers be able to play at Augusta National? We heard yesterday, yep, live golfers will be at the tournament come April. Are you really surprised that this came down this way? Because I couldn't imagine guys like DJ... Cam Smith, uh, Phil Mickelson not being at the tournament. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I, I'm not going to lie. I was holding out a little scintilla of hope that Augusta was the last hope to kind of shut down Liv. Not going to happen. They don't want to be the bad guys here. They'll be the bad guys in other places, but not when it, it comes to Liv. I, even me, I am as anti-Liv as it gets. I don't want a Masters without DJ, without Cam Smith, the guys you mentioned there. Patrick Reed, I can't stand him. You still want him there. These are guys you need as part of the as part of the mix. You need your heroes, you need your villains, and you need your great Masters champs at Augusta. So I'm I'm not surprised at all that they basically just stayed out of this one. They did make the announcement that the guys are coming, but the announcement was everyone who qualified is here. So even the announcement is not really them making a decision one way or another. Brent, do you think we'll see something very similar from the rest of the majors on the circuit? Yeah, I think you've already seen it. You know, last year there were a lot of governing bodies really hesitant. It felt like they were all kind of standing around going, boy, somebody should do something about this. And then uh, putting their hands in their pockets and looking at the floor. So they didn't have to be the one to, to go forward and do it. 
The PGA Championship is the one outlier in that. Obviously, uh, they have a little bit more connection with the PGA Tour than, than the others do. The big thing I think you'll see going forward with the Live guys is it's not going to be an outright ban, but they're not going to be able to qualify through Live. There are guys who will be exempt in certain majors forever or in certain majors for a really long time, and you're going to see them. But I think the way that the world of golf is going to kind of continue to handle Live is just choke them out by not giving them rankings points for the for the Live events. All right, so uh, I'm going to give you a, a little bit of responsibility here, Brent. You're putting together okay. trios for the opening day of the Masters with everybody getting back together. Who is one trio that you have to see playing together with uh, everybody back on the same course for the first time? Okay, so if we're just going to go pure storylines and sexiness, you need Tiger and Phil in the pair, and then you need Rory <laughs> McIlroy in the, yes. in the, as the third guy there. Rory is the guy who has taken up this mantle. Tiger, for all we understand, has been very vocal He's made little statements publicly about being a tour guy, but he had that meeting with all the players and said, look, you got to get behind the tour and continue to be tour guys. Obviously we know Mickelson was kind of the, the first big domino to fall for live. Mm-hmm. And Rory's just been the guy continuing to fight the good fight. So I, I think that's the automatic easy trio there. Uh, you definitely can get some Patrick Reed, Cam Smith, Rory McIlroy. Mm-hmm. I think Rory McIlroy, Cam Smith, uh, they're definitely at the at the heart of another pair. You go back to the Open Championship. So, yeah, I, I think if you give me one, it's Rory, Phil, Tiger. But if you give me two, I, I go Rory, Cam Smith, and then, honestly, I don't know that it matters who the third is. Uh, does enough. it just add more intrigue if uh, Green Jacket's placed on a live guy? Like, just for the storyline and the evil side of things, wouldn't it be fascinating I, that a, 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 a live guy wins the Masters in April? I hate to say it, but you are 100% right. Like, I think the biggest (laughs) villain story of all would be Phil Mickelson doing the Tiger. Like, I know he's not quite as, like, the idea of Tiger having had his come out of nowhere and win the Masters and will always have 2019. And could you imagine old lefty rolling out? He's got two drivers in the bag. He's talking trash (laughs) to, to Tiger. He's, like, calling the whatever of Saudi Arabia to, to get congratulations after doing it. it that is Man. the ultimate storyline. I don't want to see it, but that is the best storyline possible. Uh, they, they force uh, the Masters winner to wear the robe like they did to Messi winning the World Cup instead <laughs> of the green jacket. <laughs> they oh, do that. That's good. That was sure. great. I hey, will... Messi, make sure I... you put this on because we want one more last F you to the world uh, when you get this photograph. But that's okay. Um, wanted to ask you about Tiger. Like, Sunday was a little unfair. I'm sure if there's anybody on this planet who is probably watching Charlie and Tiger play the entire time, it was probably you when, like, it was sports porn on Sunday. World Cup final, full NFL slate of Sunday, big hockey games as well. Did you watch Tiger and Charlie play this Sunday? I'd love to sit here and tell you I didn't, but you know I did. I was locked in. I was a good boy. I watched the whole World Cup final because that was the most important sporting event. And then we checked in on Red Zone quickly, see what's going on there. Oh, wait, it's 1 o'clock. Not much. Get me Tiger and Charlie. They're in their Sunday red. I'm going to read way too much into this if it's good, and I will refuse to take anything out of it if it's bad. Yeah, I'm a sicko, man. Like, I am... I am who I am, and I cannot stay away from Tiger in my life. You're like, George, you okay. know this. I dragged I my wife to the Bahamas to watch Tiger on my honeymoon. Like, this is who I am. 
Nice. At the Hero World Challenge. Oh, that is yes. a total and complete boss move. Brent Gutting, co-host of Leaves Nation pre- and post-game, host of the golf show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Joining us here on The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. He's on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. All right, so Tiger said that he could probably win major championships if he was able to take a cart. Nobody wants to see Tiger wheeling around the cart at Augusta National. If he has to walk the very undulating course at the Masters, is he healthy enough at this point to potentially contend for the tournament? Because that's the one thing he keeps talking about, that he still thinks he can win. He can't. I wish he could. I do. Like, nobody would love to believe it more than I can. You can only bounce back so many times. He's into his 40s now. Like, no matter what the sport is, you can only put your body through the rigors so many times. Yes, he has shown little glimpses of himself since the car accident, but you nailed it. It's just way too tough of a walk. It's way too stacked of a field. It's one of, if not the best fields in golf. Yes, he has the knowledge, and nobody knows the place like him. But a lot of guys know that place well. The fact that they've changed it, they've lengthened it uh, a little bit, especially one of the par fives at the back there, making it even harder. So the idea of Tiger being able to Tiger it away around the way he used to, I know what happened in 2019, but that was our one-in-a-million moment. There's no way you can ever expect for it to happen again. I love that Tiger thinks that, and he'll never stop thinking that, but he he's wrong. Brett, um, we've talked to Adam Stanley quite a bit about the the Canadians that are on the tour and and what they're going to be looking to do in the upcoming season. Who are some of the guys that you're looking for to maybe take a step forward, make a little bit of hay here this season? Obviously, there's the big ones, Mackenzie Hughes and and Corey Connors, but is there anybody else that's maybe piquing your interest to uh, maybe catch a little little bit of notoriety this season? First things first, go run to your favorite sports book and get Corey Connors low Canadian at the Masters. That bet pays off every year. So just go do that right now. But in terms of the other guys, you mentioned it. Obviously, Connors is the he's the stalwart in the men's game for, for Canada right now. Hughes kind of looking to have a bounce back after, you know, not a down year for him, but he really raised his game to new heights a couple of seasons ago. So he'll be looking to bounce back. Adam Hadwin turned it around. That's a guy who's won. There's just so much Canadian depth. You know, this guy, Adam Spenson, he just picked up a win uh, last month at the Sanderson Farms uh, Invitational. That's a tournament that Nick Taylor, another Canadian, has won. There is a ton of Canadian talent out there, guys like Michael Gligic as well. And the thing about golf is, you know, it, it's a little bit of horses for courses. It's a little bit of catching your brakes. It's a little bit of, you know, finding, finding your game for four days at a time and getting it done. And there are more than a, more than a few Canadians that are capable of winning on, on the PGA Tour. For sure, Hughes. For sure, Connors as well. But guys like Adam Svensson, Nick Taylor, Michael Gligic, like there is just there's, there's a wave of Canadians coming right now. Do you think that the changes that the tour has made to some of the prizes for not only the majors, but kind of elevating some of the other tournaments to be almost pseudo majors, do you see that having a big impact in the the field being improved kind of in a week-to-week basis so that it's every tournament has a little bit more allure, not just the four big ones? So I think it'll actually probably hurt the week-to-week tournament a little bit. It's not going to be a big knockdown, but I think any time, you know, you have your majors, it's much like in tennis, you have your slams, but now that golf has said, okay, we have our kind of majors, you know, you're going to have one of these elevated events every month. I think what it does is it allows somebody who's a bit more of a casual to say, 
okay, this one matters too. So I actually think there's a world where it could kind of weaken the, the uh, you know, fields week to week. And I'm not talking a lot, just, just a little teensy bit, but it will give a lot more importance to those, those marquee events now. You're looking at things like the Memorial, uh, Jack's tournament there, Tiger's tournament in LA. Those, those are the types of tournaments that get that status. And I think having things that, that people can look to outside of just the majors should help the game, even if maybe it, it dings the fields uh, on a week-to-week basis outside of the elevated events. Uh, Guns, uh, you also do a great job of doing Leafs Nation pre- and post-game for Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I have to ask you, uh, we know that the history is long on the Leafs crashing out of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we always hear the cynicism, the bitterness of Leaf fans that, oh, no, I'm, I'm done with this team, I hate this team. How many people are completely fished in again by the Maple Leafs here in December? Uh, it's the old Godfather three. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. It is amazing. And the funniest thing about it to me, and I am guilty. I have been, I have been suckered, hoodwinked, bamboozled, whatever you want to call it. Is this season's following the exact same script as last year? They had a rough start to start the year. Goaltenders started standing on their heads. Now the team is playing a little bit better than they have been at times. But yeah, it's amazing how similar. The blueprint is to how things went for the Leafs last season. And, yeah, people are getting sucked back in. All well saying, but we got to wait and see till the playoffs. You'll sit here talking about how sucked in you are and then throw out the caveat of, but you got to see what happens in the play. Uh, Guns, wanted to ask you, too, we know that the Austin Matthews contract thing is looming, but what about Willie Nylander? What's that extension going to look like? Is there talk in Toronto that, hey, we got to re-up this guy who's a perennial 30-goal scorer? I think the thing with the Leafs contracts is that inside of the Toronto bubble, inside of the the market here, I think a lot of people are of the belief that because it, it looks like the Leafs are tied up against the cap, and they absolutely are, but they have structured this thing so that when the big boys need to get paid, pretty much nobody else is. William Nylander's contract could be up at the... $10 $10 million mark potentially, especially if he continues to have the season. It looks like he's going to have 40-something goals, 80-something points. Like, those would both be career highs for him. There's definitely a world where that happens. But even though it doesn't seem like it now with how top-heavy the salaries are, they're going to have room to sign those guys. It's just a matter of how much pie there will be for everybody else left after that. Uh, all right, uh, Brent, uh, we appreciate your time. I don't want to let you go yet because – I uh, want to do this this kicker story with you and Matty Rose. Are, are you guys ready for this? I'm ready. Fired up. So I don't know if you guys have seen this guy in the crowd. Um, Chiefsaholic, um, this guy who wears a werewolf uh, costume. He's a diehard Chiefs fan, and he's got 11,600 followers on Instagram. Wow. Uh, he's representing the loyal wolf pack. Uh, he's a game traveler with a little airplane Emoji goes to all the Chiefs games at home and away. Uh, this guy is a die, die hard Chiefs fan. But uh, he had to attend to some business, guys, uh, before Kansas City's game Sunday in Houston against the Texans. Um, he didn't make it to the game on Sunday. Uh, his name is Xavier Michael Babadar, uh, also known as Chiefsaholic. Yeah, he... Um, he needed a little extra money before making it uh, to the game. Yeah, he robbed a bank in Houston on Friday. And not only did he rob the bank in Houston on Friday, they caught him and arrested him. 
if you actually look at the surveillance video, the mask he's wearing is eerily similar to the werewolf costume he wears to the Chiefs games. So our man uh, Michael was arrested for robbing a bank, and fans were really worried about him on Sunday, Kansas City Chiefs fans who knew he was attending the game. He obviously didn't show up because he's in the Steel Hotel. So Chiefs fanaholic uh, is actually a piece of you-know-what, and he's a bank robber. I guess that's how we were Fords uh, to Jet Set around America watching the Chiefs play. He robs banks. So he apparently, reportedly, robbed a bank Friday in Houston. Now the question I want to go uh, ask you and uh, Matty Rose Guns, because you're, you're the guest, let's ask you. If you are robbing a bank, what is your method of robbing a bank? Do you slide the note? Do you put the little finger underneath your gun, uh, the finger underneath your coat to look like a gun, or you're waving a gun in the face of the bank teller? I think if you're going to do it, you got to go for it. Like, I'm pretty sure threatening to use a gun, whether you have one or not, is the same okay. as actually threatening to use one. Just go for it. I think that's what okay. you got to do. And also, kudos to this guy. I would have gone with the defensive. I'm not going to wear my own mask to rob the bank. So I kind of <laughs> no, like did. that. I got to be honest. Don't. Yeah, don't he did. Like he just had a different bank. hat on because uh, it yeah. says Chiefs on his hat with the werewolf. He just wore a different hat. Nobody would have recognized him. Uh, Maddie, which way are you going? Finger gun underneath the coat, note, or actual gun to rob a bank? Uh, I'm going with, you know what? No, if we're going to do this, if I'm going to do a robbery, I want the full rush of adrenaline. I want the gun. I want okay. someone with an escape car. I want my whole okay. crew with me trashing sure. the joint. Yeah, yeah. I want to, you know, um, what do they call it in uh, that, that one movie where you just shoot your gun up in the air a few times? Hmm. Yeah, I'll do that a few times. That's what okay. I would do. All right. Um, I think, and have a good getaway music song in the getaway oh, car. Oh, yeah. I would, uh, something very upbeat. I would, uh, I'd be a note guy. I'd try to be mm -hmm. as calm as possible and slide an eloquently, eloquently written note, I think, to the bank teller mm. asking for money. Would you get it done in calligraphy just to really throw I think that would be nice. Oh, oh. So Maybe elegant. take a class. Yeah. Maybe broaden my oh, horizons nice a little bit. <laughs> but if... But guns, if the bank teller is really young, uh, because they don't teach cursive in schools anymore, they probably wouldn't be able to read it. It would just look like spaghetti on paper. They're they're sitting there like, no, you're supposed to sign after I give you the receipt. Right? I haven't given you anything yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Chief Saholic, um, not didn't make it to the game. Don't think he's going to be around for the playoff run by the Chiefs because uh, he's in the clink. For uh, oh, robbing a bank, too bad. Uh, Brent Gunning, Leafs Nation pre and post game, um, does a great job of hosting the golf show on Sportsnet Five Ninety. The fan guns, all the best during the holidays, pal. Let's catch up soon. Thanks for this. Yeah, same to you guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, and that's uh, Brent Gunning, brought to you by the Atlas Beats and Sportsbook guest hotline. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. I feel like, Maddie, that if your mask fell off, you'd be the type who would panic and would just shoot all the witnesses. Oh, jeez. Come on now. My mask like, would No witnesses! My mask wouldn't fall off. Okay. <laughs> You're... <laughs> You're not disputing the fact that you would kill all the witnesses. I'm You're just disputing saying, the fact. I'm just saying my mask okay. would never fall off, George.
Uh, let's, I don't want to implicate myself in anything. That's all I'm okay. saying. Uh, let's go around the room. Uh, mm, producer good. Patrick Dumal, are you a note finger in the jacket guy or actual gun to rob a bank? Oh, we're gonna have the we're gonna have the whole. Have you seen the town, George? The movie The, the town. town. Good yes, film. Yes, I have quality seen the film. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna get a whole crew going like that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I was imagining, yeah. except like the gun shooting from Superbad, like when they go okay. and shoot like the stop signs. <laughs> we're gonna All have right. a whole crew. Um, yeah, we're gonna have guys walk man in the door. We're gonna okay. Have a so now, yeah. Now you got the wheels turning for me. Oh yeah. Nine sixty nine sixty on the text <laughs> line. Uh, name four people at the radio station who would make a good bank robbing crew. Oh wow, I like that. And what our roles are? Oh, boy. <laughs> Alex would be the nervous getaway driver. Just like, like hands on the wheel. Like, come on, come on. Yeah. Where are they? Definitely. Where are they? I was yeah. thinking I could like distract the cops by like pretending to do Brody on the beat outside the bank or something. Mm, yeah, that would very, work, too. Very creative. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. Uh, having a, a distraction. That's good. Um, who would be uh, the, the, <laughs> the bank robbing group? From people at Sportsnet, nine sixty, the fan. I'm just wondering what Pat Steinberg's role would be. Mm. Carry those heavy money bags. Yeah, yeah. He's with so, okay, with yeah, them he, arms. He's the muscle. He's the guy in the back getting into the duffel bag. Yeah, yeah he, he's the one after they open the safe. He's yeah. just running in there grabbing bags of cash. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's the, yeah. He'd be able to carry like four bags of money, and everyone else would be like dragging one, like using all of their might, and he'd just be. Trotting back and forth, no problem. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Chief Saholic. Uh. No more. Not going to be making note to a lot of games. Uh. <laughs> thanks to uh. What happened to him on Friday? Looking for some extra money, robbing a bank. What an absolute loser. All right. Straight ahead. We have a, we have an interesting clip right from Elliot Friedman talking about what the Flames potentially could have received in the Matthew Kachuk deal if they made a deal with the Hurricanes. We got yeah, that. Yeah, we sure do. All right. We'll do that. Uh, we'll also do some of your text messages, 960-960, name and location. Um, Calgary's two goals last night was faster than blank. Keep those rolling in. And, um, yeah, just in case, you know, four people from the radio station who'd make a good bank robbing team, 960-960 on the text line. So dumb. And we'll talk LA Kings at 830. One more hour to go, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.